Didn't we do an episode a long time ago, Grow or Die? Yeah, that was a long time that ago. That was a long time ago. Yeah. We're all here, so we must be growing. I know. We're all closer to death. <laughs> Some of us more than other. And you know how to avoid death? How's that? Is to sleep better at nighttime. And you know how to sleep better at nighttime? Uh, take an Ambien? No, tape your mouth. Oh, okay. Um. <laughs> so guys, one of the themes of this IMTS is digital technology implemented. What does that mean? I got this. Last IMTS was four years ago, if you could believe that. And four years ago, you went out to IMTS and you saw a lot of technology that was really conceptual. Mm-hmm. But this year, with digital technology implemented, if you have an objective from a digital technology standpoint, you go to IMTS, you find out who you're going to partner with, and they're ready to implement it on the shop floor right away. It's like turnkey. So it's totally in reach. It's like in a box. It's within reach. It's ready to go. Great. Well, it was a thought four years ago. Now it's actually an entity that's moving, breathing, and it's already been implemented. Yeah. It's like you're ready to go to the store and buy a box and install it on the shop floor. So what do we got to do to get ready for this? So go to imts.com, register, and sign up. And download the app. Let's go. If the sound of a machine tool removing metal gets your blood pumping, then you are Metalworking Nation. This is Making Chips, where we talk all things metalworking, engineering and design, production and tooling combined with business best practices, technology, marketing, news, and new media for manufacturing professionals. Here are your hosts. Let's make some chips. Welcome, manufacturing leaders. I'm your host, Jim Carr, and we're about to equip and inspire you with some great tips on scheduling your shop floor to be much, much more efficient than it was today. We have a special return guest, and he'll certainly enlighten all of us on how to structure that throughput on the floor. I'm here with my co-hosts, Nick and Jason, and we're ready to begin. Awesome. I need what you had. Did you have like 16 cups of coffee? I just had one after you, you lunch. You sound and very energetic. I want some of that in my life. I'm feeling good. And I didn't have a lot of sleep last night. So we'll just see how the rest of the afternoon goes. You should tape your mouth. Yes. No, I'm not doing that. If you have no idea what Jason's talking about, listen to the last episode. Yeah. It's really uneventful for me, but that's okay. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, <laughs> before we get on to what we're going to talk about, I, you know how I always define the word about what we're talking about. And this week, we're talking about scheduling. So the definition of scheduling is the art, art, Nick, of planning your activities so that you can achieve your goals and priorities in the time that you have available. Hmm. When it's done effectively, it helps you understand what you can realistically achieve with your time. Make sure you have enough time for those essential tasks. The art or the science? It's definitely an art, but there's a science to it, too. It's something that you can test and measure, and, you know, there's definitely a science to it. Nick's art, your science. What? Nick's art, your science. You don't get that. I get it. Okay. I get it. Nick was an artist. I get it. I was an artist. I was a minor in art. Oh, were you? Yeah. Photography. Photography. Oh, God. Yeah. You're using a lot of that lately, aren't you? No, I think today (laughs) we're going to dig into the science of it specifically. So I'm, I'm pumped to do that. So, you know, this is really a big deal. 
on the shop floor nowadays. Why? Why do you ask it's a big deal nowadays? Why is it a big Why? deal? Why? Because everybody wants their parts now. No, because... Wrong. As technology... <laughs> Nobody and, wants their parts now? You're so no. wrong. <laughs> Incorrect. I thought everything I hear is that they want them all now. <laughs> as technology and automation together are starting to be implemented on the shop floor, we're forced to become more efficient because those technologies and all those automations, they're pushing us to go faster and faster and faster. And if we're not, if the human side of scheduling and setting up machines is slow and arduous, you're not going to get any better. Well, this just goes back to our previous episode on tooling management. If you're not precise, if you're not scientific about how you're managing your tooling, how you're choosing your tooling, you're going to have chaos and you can't automate and you can't do all those things that we're being pushed to do. And it's the same thing with scheduling. You need to be scheduling well in order to be doing all the other things that you need in order to run a state-of-the-art manufacturing company. Exactly. Automation is only augmenting the process. That's all it is. But it's still at the end of the day, you have that human interface. At some point in manufacturing parts, you have to have a human interface in there. And if the humans aren't getting smarter and better and learning new processes, you're going to to die. That's very <laughs> that morbid. Was, wow. You, you think so? Yeah. yeah. Well, to die because you're not scheduling correctly? Didn't we do an episode a long time ago, Grow or Die? Yeah, that was a long time that ago. That was a long time ago. Yeah. We're all here, so we must be growing. I know. We're all closer to death. <laughs> Some of us more than other. And you know how to avoid death? How's that? Is to sleep better at nighttime. And you know how to sleep better at nighttime? Uh, take an Ambien? No, tape your mouth. Oh. Okay. Um, <laughs> I have good news to share with the metalworking nation. You do. What's happening in September? IMTS, IMTS yeah. baby. September 12th through the 16th. And guess what? Making Ships is going to be there on the Grand Concourse stage on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2 p.m. We it's like the some... Olympics. It's like the Olympics of the industry. Yes. It's going to be really exciting. A lot of our industry peers are going to be there. Uh, Nick, I know AME is going to be there. AME and Hennig combined have four different booths. Beautiful. And then the live stage show performances that we're going to be doing. Yeah. All the stuff with my partners and vendors and customers. I'm going to be I know. I have a totally ton, I have a ton of partners that are going to be there in the tooling booth. I'll be spending most of my time there, but I'm really looking forward to IMTS. It's going to be a great time. See all the latest technology, hobnob with friends that come into town once every two years. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yep. It is. And before we even move even on from that, anything new in your business? So one thing that's new, and we'll be demonstrating that at the IMTS is we're kind of creating a category that's synergistic with our workholding business and the category is machining automation. So we have two partners. One's an automated pallet delivery system. I'm familiar with, with that. Trinity Automation. Yep. And then RoboJob, you have an installation in your own shop. I do. So in both cases, we're working with them as an integrator for the workholding side and we're starting to become more of a dealer and a partner on the sales side of that business too. Beautiful. So people come to us more for projects than to buy a product and that's that's where we want to be. Nice. I would say for me, we're trying to find a new building. And as you can imagine, it's not easy. But one of the buildings... It might that get a little easier now with the mortgage rates up. That's true. And also, there's some other industries besides manufacturing that are hitting into some recessions. I'm seeing some layoffs right, and stuff like right. that. But we're expanding and growing and we need a new building. One of the buildings, this is kind of funny, one of the buildings that we're looking at comes with a another wholesale distribution business that I'm thinking about buying the business along with the building. Wow. So, so that should be kind of interesting to see if that whole piece of the puzzle comes together effectively. So 
A lot to think about. A lot to think about. Yeah. So speaking of IMTS, you know, IMTS came to my shop. We are one of their rock star job shops for their promotion of the show this year. So they were here filming for a full day, I don't know, eight weeks ago. And we saw, you'll be seeing them on the IMTS site soon, but they did John and I together on a video and they did- John, uh, your sales manager? John, my sales manager. And then they did Mike, our quality assurance lead. They did a video on him. And then they did one with uh, Richie, our shipping and receiving guy, who's going to be working in to a manufacturing role at some point in the future. Oh, cool. We're going to send them to school and everything. So I've got three videos with them and they've already said the banners and they're going to sure. be quotes on our names on the Very banners. Very cool. Yeah. So we'll see. Jim the rock star. Well, we'll see what it looks like, but it sounds so like you it's and pretty other, cool. other job shops, other a contract other, manufacturing yes. leaders are the rock star group. Exactly. they're going to be profiled at the show. We've got a bunch of friends, I think, that are friends of making chips that are going to be rock I'm stars sure. as I well. I would hope so. I would hope so. So with that, let's get into this conversation. Let's bring in our rock star guest. This is really an important thing. I know we've had a big initiative here at Car Machine in the last few months to really amp up the efficiencies in the shop floor. We've done a lot of different things, i.e. we're utilizing the scheduling module inside a pro shop. We partnered with Amper Technologies to do machine monitoring. So what it does is it measures how much each machine is in a cut, and we have metrics for that. And we're also trying to do lean practices, set up reduction times. How do we do things that are just a little bit leaner than they were yesterday? So this gentleman is no stranger to the Making Ships studio. He is in our house today in my office here in Elk Grove Village recording with us. He's flown all the way from the Pacific Northwest to sit down with us once again and share his wisdom. He's not only a good industry friend, but he has an unwavering passion for machining and helping manufacturing leaders achieve their dreams. He's the partner owner of ProCNC, a celebrated machine shop back some time ago. His colleagues developed their own machine shop ERP system after they couldn't find a competent off-the-shelf platform to run the business. Fast forward today, they have sold the machine shop and now sell their famed pro shop ERP, revered as the first digital manufacturing ecosystem on the market. Welcome back, Paul Van Meter. Right. Thank you, guys. How was that? that? Was nice. I'm blushing. Paul, well, when we first had you on making chips, we <laughs> talked about having coolant in your blood. Wasn't that yeah, you? It was chips on your shoes, coolant in your blood. Oh my and God. Six... That was many years ago, actually. That was many years ago. Yeah. Now. That when yeah. I was just a baby. Do you still have coolant in your blood? I think most of it's leaked out by yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Evaporated out. So when people say that Pro Shop's an ERP, do you correct them and say, no, it's a DME, a digital manufacturing ecosystem? You know, sometimes <laughs> that's an internal debate. People don't search for DME. They search for ERP when they go online. Right. That's true. Yeah. Was that a term that you coined? I think so. Yeah. Why, why don't it. you elaborate a little bit on that? Because it is kind of unique. Sure. And I've really never heard about it before. Pro Shop is essentially a combination of... ERP functionality, QMS functionality, MES functionality, manufacturing execution systems, as well as several other acronyms. So ERP, Enterprise Resource Planning. Yes. QMS, Quality Management System. Yes. Mm -hmm. MES, Manufacturing, manufacturing execution, execution System. Systems. Okay. And then oh. things like CMMS, like Computerized Maintenance Management, and a whole, you know, training, learning, you know, all That's sorts all of things. It's all there, baby. It's just a whole bunch of things. Yeah. One so acronym big, to kill them all. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> That's the idea. Got it. 
So we're going to get dirty on the factory floor, you know that term, right? And spearhead some tactics and opportunities to really get those efficiencies rolling on the shop floor to the best that they can be. As I said in the beginning, this really is a big deal, and there's a lot of ways to combat this with automation, technology. And I'm going to take you back to and offer some of my old school ways that I used to set up machines and what I think is helpful. And we're going to bring it all the way to 2022. And Paul is going to tell us how we can learn to schedule better within ProShop to accurately estimate jobs and accurately see how much time is actually running in that machine to see if you're hitting your targets. Well, you are our resident making chips OSE. Is OSE? Old school expert. Yes, that's absolutely true. <laughs> As you know, CAR is a low volume, high mix contract machine shop, aerospace machine shop, and setups are the things that really always kill us. We've been really giving a lot of emphasis to mitigating that over the last few months. Again, ProShop has been a big partner in helping us mitigate some of those times down. And with a little focus, you can really start to improve no matter what kind of steps you take. But I've kind of highlighted some here that I want to go over. The first is, and I remember when I was on the shop floor, when you walk up to that machine for the very first time, it's got to be left clean for you to begin your job. Here you are, you're at your machine, you've got to hit a time that your boss is quoted. And if you go up to that machine and it's filthy dirty, first of all, it's going to put you in a bad mood. It's going to get you pissed about that the guy before you didn't clean it up. And it's just going to like muck up the whole time. So make sure when you get to that machine that the guy before you has left it clean and fresh and you're ready to go. Number one, I think that's one of the most important things. Two, know what the next job that's going into that machine and plan your setup around those two work orders, the work order that you're going to be working on and the work order that's potentially going to be next. You might be at a VF4, right? And you've got a 50-inch X travel. You're not going to do a little 7 by 7 inch setup, right? It's smack dab in the middle of the table. Put it over to the side, get creative, either put your fixturing there, put your vice there, utilize that whole table at once. Hopefully, you're smart enough that you've got a vice on the machine already that's way over on the right side. So is this all considered scheduling, what you're talking about? It is not. We're going to get into that. Paul's going to enlighten me a little bit about the pro shop scheduling. I'm just giving some old school tips tips, on how to make those setups better. Sure. Actually, if I have to tell them these, they're probably beyond... Beyond old school. Beyond old school. Jurassic period. You never know. Always have a probe in the machine or an edge finder in one of the slots. It's always something you're going to use, so it better be there. Redundant tooling is really, really important, especially if you're doing a somewhat production job, especially if you're working within an abrasive metals. You know you're going to go through at least one, two, three tools. It's best to just grab all three of those right now and set them up, touch them off, and ready to go so your downtime isn't that much. I always used to have a two-inch shell mill in there, a three-eighths end mill with three flutes, high helix, a spot center drill. Those are all tools that should be always in your tool holders. They're very common. You use them in just about every job. You need plenty of those on the shop floor. Utilize your pre-processing checklist. And Paul Van Meter is here so he can explain to me just about how that works. Um, this should be completed before the setup starts. It means the program is done, tool paths are verified, tools are set up, 
fixtures are ready, materials located, and ready to go in the machine. Paul, can you elaborate a little bit on the PPC setup? Yeah, I mean, I'll get into it a little bit later, but it's basically the idea that you want to have your job as ready to be set up as possible. You're basically taking what we call in lean terminology, you're taking as much of your setup and making it external to the machine as possible, as opposed to internal setup, where you can only do it on the machine. Exactly. Exactly. And then scheduling. Scheduling is really an important thing. It helps me as the estimator look and see if our five-axis machines are out eight to 10 weeks, or our three-axis machines are only two to three weeks out. It lets us know immediately if we can get a job done in time or whatever. Paul, can you elaborate a little bit on the scheduling uh, module inside ProShop and why we need to be utilizing that more? Enlighten me. Well, I'd love to actually take it back a little bit and take it to a little bit bigger principles if I can. So obviously everyone knows that scheduling in a job shop is incredibly difficult, right? There's probably couldn't be a more dynamic type of business out there Mm -hmm. than a job shop. So there's so many things going on, always things change in the last minute. But as the old adage always says, you know, a shop has three things, quality, delivery, and price, right? Quality is a given. You can't have no quality. So you got to have that price is what the market will bear. So it really comes down to schedule, right? Mm-hmm. Client companies that can schedule well, that can forecast accurate times, deliveries to their clients, and then hit those over and over again, they're going to be the ones that grow. They're going to be the ones that customers want to work with. You could probably charge more money. You could certainly charge more money sure. if you have good scheduling. So it's yeah, all based you, on speed. Yeah. Well, speed and also predictability, predictability and mm-hmm. reliability. Sure. And one of the things is that a lot of shops, we have, of course, a scheduling module, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But yes, the secret is that the secret to good scheduling is not actually the scheduling. It's everything that happens up front before scheduling even happens. And so that's kind of some of the things I want to get into. And these are In not the pre-processing checklists. And it's even more than that. So let's step back, back even before. further. Right. So you do all the estimating. I do. If you don't accurately estimate, then the shop does not estimate have a good... Estimate what, Paul? Estimate... The time that it'll take you... For the job. So, okay. yeah, there's, there's time and there's dollars, right? Okay, right. So, if you quote a job and you use time as a proxy for money, you're like, I think I want to sharpen my pencil a little bit. I'll just knock the hours down. That is not a good way to do it because you are then pushing out a, a number for the number of hours it's going to take that to run that job that's not actually accurate. So, let's say you have a 30 hour job, but you say, I'm going to sell it for 20 rather mm. than reducing your margin. Oh, right. okay. Okay. I understand. And I a lot totally of shop owners do you. this. Yep, they yep, just yep. like, let me get aggressive on the times, right? That is the terrible way to do it because you're setting your shop up for a failure. Because right? then time if, isn't really time anymore. It's just another way to get to a lower number. Exactly. And so but you should you can, never you can, do that. You can lower your number by reducing the margin. That's the way you should yeah, be doing Yeah, that's what I'm right. doing. Yes. So, because if that's you... honesty. Yeah. And it also, when you always use lower times, you actually break down the trust between your shop and yourself, they're like, Jim doesn't know what he's talking about. This is not a 20 hour job. This is a 30 hour job, right? So they don't even try that as hard as they might if if you're always doing your best to have accurate estimates. So that is the starting point. You need to have as accurate as possible. And that includes breaking out the difference between recurring and non-recurring times, which I know that you probably do that. Every job takes longer the first time. So you got to factor that in. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't, your baseline is not going to be accurate, which means you can't schedule accurately, which means everything is going to get thrown off later on. Yep. My non-reoccurrings, I typically go about 300% more. So if it's 60 minutes, 
I go 180. Sure. Yeah, so that's realistic. Do you measure that non-recurring to see how accurate you are in predicting that? Mm, not too often. No. no. Well, if you guys are time tracking, then yes, you do. Right. You just, you yes. just don't realize it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But well, we are time tracking. No, no absolutely Paul says, yes, not. Paul's like, yeah, you are. <laughs> well, okay, we are, Jason. <laughs> and then the next thing is you have to realistically forecast the number of available hours on your equipment, right? A lot of shop owners overestimate how many hours a week they think their machines are actually running. Now, with your robot, you can probably get a little bit more accurate because that thing is not taking breaks and it can run all night. Exactly. But if you have... Let's just keep it simple with a one shift shop, right? Without a second shift. Eight, nine hours a day. Yeah. Okay. A 40 hour work week, okay. right? Especially with something like a vertical mill, you are not getting 40 hours of cut time. Absolutely you know, especially not. Especially in a job shop that's low volume. Not in a shop right? like ours. No, it's the, all The set typical up. number is about 25%. I would um, say that's about yeah, right. Yeah. Yep. So, so you got to be more accurate there too. If you say I got a 20 hour job, it's going to be done halfway through the week because it's a 40 hour week. It's going to take a lot longer than that, right? Mm -hmm. And in the in calendar days, it may only take 20 labor hours, but it's going to probably occupy that machine for three days. Sure. Potentially, right? Sure. So that is the second thing you got to make sure you get accurate. We find a lot of shops, they're like, I'm just constantly behind. I'm constantly behind. When you look into why they're behind, it's because they say they're going to get all these hours on their machines, but they don't actually get that much hours in a week, right? It's less than they think. Hey, Jason. You down with CYC? Yeah, you know me. That's right. Do you know what I'm talking about, though? I do, actually. We're talking about thomasnet.com, where you can connect with 1.4 million industrial buyers who use thomasnet.com every day to source new suppliers. Yeah, CYC means claim your company. And what happens when you claim your company, Nick? So you remember the Thomas Register? I do. Okay, I so remember the Thomas book, that big, big book. Exactly. So ThomasNet is the digital version of that. You're probably already listed. So I'm on there right now. So okay. you go to thomasnet.com slash claim, and you just enter in your company name. And it's going to get more buyers to in front of me, right? Well, what you're going to do is you're going to update your company record and make sure that everything is accurate so that you get into the ThomasNet listing. Beautiful. So go to thomasnet.com slash claim to get started. Bam. You think it's because I'm just, I'm thinking more like philosophically because people just don't know, or they just don't want to be honest with themselves. Like they don't want to admit that I'm only getting this percentage of, I think that's that I'm like getting this percentage of spindle time. I think that's a big part of it. They don't want to think that they're only getting 25% of their machine where it's actually up and running. Yeah, which is, and you that's know, why the, me, the, the monitoring systems help as sure, well. Absolutely. Yeah. And which is ironic because I mean, you can't make improvements unless you know where you are. Sure. You know, and, and just Do you think it's because they're trying to set a, like a goal, like it shouldn't be that low. And if I lower it, then I've kind of lowered the bar. I think it's part of it is ego. You yeah, know, that's what I mean. And also a lot of shops are dealing with the fact that they have less people than machines. They got a lot of machines, but not enough people to man them all. Mm hmm. So even though you have a machine sitting there, doesn't mean you're going to have a body to put in front of it to do that setup on the day that you think you might do it. So the key here is to put into your schedule or your capacity planning tool a realistic amount of actual hours that you should be getting on a, on a weekly basis. And that will help you sort of build the foundation of what you can then start applying the hours that you're quoting for your jobs. And it'll overlay onto a realistic schedule of how many hours per day you actually are getting. So that's an important one for sure. Now, I'm sure every shop, certainly bigger ones, can relate to the fact that expediting and expediters are a thing that happens. People 
run around the shop trying to expedite jobs. You know, why are we stuck here? Let's do this. Let's get a partial out. Let's expedite the plating. How does that affect the schedule in Pro Shop when Virgin Galactic says, oh, you know, we'll pay a 50% premium if you expedite the job. So that just bumps everything out, right? Sure. Well, I mean, without getting too in the weeds, I mean, one of the things that we do is we schedule to what we call must leave by dates, the dates that a job needs yeah. to leave your facility right. to go to whatever is happening next. Yep. Right. And many of our customers do, including you, I'm sure, you know, multiple outside processes multiple. in a single job. So yes. the job might leave three or four or five times to go to different processes. Yes. So you're first, you know, getting your blanks, you're roughing it out, you're sending it out for heat treating, then it comes back again, you do your finish cutting. It goes out for penetrant or who knows what. It goes out for black oxide. It goes for anodized. Chem processing. Chem, paint, you know, whatever it might be. If all you're focused on is that end due date of when it has to be on your customer's dock and you're trying to do the mental math on what that means. And it's three days UPS. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Plus that too. Yes. So what does that mean for what day we have to have op 10 off the machine? Right. That's a lot to figure out, you know, especially if you have hundreds of jobs going through the shop, there's no way anyone's going to keep that in their head. You know, if you only have half a dozen machines, maybe you have a chance. So scheduling to when jobs need to leave is also a really important factor. And we, we certainly do that. And then the things that you talked about, setup reduction, or I'll call it setup reliability, Okay. So if you quote on that brand new job you need to program in my fixtures for at 300% extra compared to normal. So if you have a three hour setup, you need to make sure that that setup actually takes three hours, not six hours or eight hours. And the way that you do that is by some of the things you mentioned, having your tools pre-processed, ready to go, making sure your inspection gauges are there. You have all the plug gauges you need. You have all the pins you need. You have your calipers and your mics. It's like laying out your clothes the night before. It, yep. you know, it kind of exactly. is. It, it really kind of is. is. I actually do that and don't do that. And the difference in the morning the next day is just night and day. Right. It's just wild. So, Because if you have that setup that goes way over budget, not only is that job very likely to be late, but you've just messed up all the jobs after it. Right. You in know? that machine. In that machine. In that right? machine. Yeah. Yes. Which means you might have to pull a job that was going to go on that machine, put on a different machine. Well, the nice part is you can drag it and drop it. Yes, you could. But the idea that you're scrambling at the last minute to, right. to make up for something that just went wrong. Or we had the episode recently about cutting tool management. You got to set up your job. You don't actually have the special tap you need. And then all of a sudden your job is sitting there all day while you overnight or you run out and try to find that tap. That kills your setup time, which kills your schedule. Exactly. Right? Let me ask you about expediters. So, you know, you got an expediter because he's there to kind of like move things around and sometimes jump another Mm -hmm. job in line. Do you believe that expediters are necessary? Do you believe that they're just enabling you to suck at scheduling, basically? (laughs) You know, it's funny that you say that because back in the day when we were running our own shop and we built ProShop, our largest machine shop customer saw ProShop and asked us if we would sell it to them. Mm -hmm. This is like back in 2008. And we said, no, it's not for sale. We're just a job shop. But they finally convinced us to sell it to them. And they were a company of about 35 people, and they had two full-time expediters. That's all they did. And within a few months after putting ProShop in, they completely freed up those roles. They did not need those people doing that job anymore. Mm -hmm. And they stopped having like a two-hour production meeting every single day. They had like a six-page list, I think they said, of late jobs all the time for years. Just late jobs, you know, six pages long. Six pages of late work. Yeah. I mean, they were doing thousands and thousands of work orders a year. Okay. Probably 15,000 work orders a year. Okay. 
But they basically got it down to half a dozen jobs with really long outside processes, and they just couldn't believe the impact that it made. And so actually, that was one of the reasons we decided to sell our shop and start ProShop was like, if we can have such a big impact on this company, Mm -hmm. think about how we can help influence and make a positive impact in the metalworking nation in general. So anyway, I don't think expediters are necessary if you do everything right. And a good example of this, actually our old shop, which is now called True Life Engineered Solutions, Uh great shop, about 100 people, three shifts, 40 plus pieces of CNC equipment. They have one person about one hour a day doing scheduling. Wow. That's fantastic, Paul. But it's that low because they're doing all the things right up front. And they basically are putting out all the fires that happen before they ever happen. So everything is very consistent, very repeatable. So what you're telling me, it's really important for me as the estimator to make sure those numbers are true and accurate. Because once the order gets entered and we enter the part level and we enter the work order and it gets pushed out to scheduling, they're taking my numbers and they're importing them into those machines. Exactly. That's why estimating time accurately is so important. And then that time, especially as you do repeat jobs over and over, you want your shop floor folks to be fine-tuning those numbers, right? Yes. Instead of a one-hour setup, it's 45 minutes. Instead of three minutes apart, it's two minutes and 38 seconds apart, Mm -hmm. right? Multiplied by 100 parts, and it's a lot of minutes that are different. But ProShop does that for you. Yeah, we prompt people to change their setup and run times as they have more accurate information. But the key there is keep it accurate because without accuracy, you can't forecast anything accurately, in which case you're going to be, you end up, end up being late. Yeah. Something that we say all the time at our company is every bit of data that you collect or try to interpret that you can't really trust, is just waste. Mm-hmm. It's all just waste. And if you can't trust the data, then you make a decision that might actually hurt your company based on flawed data. So same kind of goes with scheduling. All the prerequisites have to be right or else your schedule would be off. And so one of the key mental shifts to make, and this is very hard for some shop owners who pirate cowboy kind of off the hip, just let's do it. I'm still learning. Yeah. It's to make that mental shift from being reactive to being proactive. Mm -hmm. And that's, we have a lot of workflows that help push that concept because you're just never going to be accurate if you're just reactive all the time, right? So that's key stuff there. And you can't, as you know, you used to have paper travelers all over the shop, right? And so if you needed to know the status of a job, you're walking out on the shop floor, you're finding that traveler, you're talking to the people, hey, where are we at? How many parts do we have? So you can't even make good decisions about scheduling unless you have much more accurate, up-to-date, real-time information. So that's sort of a core tenant for us is get rid of the paper travelers, get rid of all the papers. So it's all in one system, all up-to-date all the time. So you can make better decisions, basically. Right. right. Well, our sales manager can go and look at the work order and tell right away what the status of that order is. Sure, sure. You know, how many pieces are done? Is it through Op 50? Is it through Op 60? Or is it out for chem conversion or something like sure. that? And when you're quoting new jobs, if you have accurate information about your capacity and when your machines open up, you can then make those better choices. Because the other really big thing is just don't overpromise and underdeliver. right? Mm-hmm. So many shops do this. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, we'll take that job. And then they shoot themselves in the foot and their customer gets mad because they don't actually deliver when they say they will. And so that's a big no-no right there. Yeah. So talk about the pre-processing checklist. Yeah. So it's a feature we've had for probably 15 years or more. I don't remember exactly when we built it, but it's a basically completely configurable checklist for different types of jobs. So when does it come into play? So I know we they use it on our shop floor. Sure. So we estimate the job, we get the purchase order, we enter the purchase order, we make the part level, we create the work order, and then... Yeah, so when you make the work order, depending on the work order type, whether it's a production job, a repeat job, 
a first run new rev or a prototype job yep. Yep. or any, cause you can make your own work order types. The pre-processing checklist can be totally configurable to that type of job. So you might need to do fewer things on a repeat order than you do on a brand new order, right? right? So that checklist will be longer on a brand new production job that has an AS9102, you know, FAI to do. Mm -hmm. So you got to do your quality planning. You got to plan out all your materials really precisely. You got to specify your cutting tools, your inspection gauges. So there's a longer list of things to do. And it's broken down into categories. There's sort of the office front end of things, right? Contract review, making sure you have all the right files, the revisions are all accurate. You're queuing up your material to make sure it's here on time. So that's the pink section when we talk about. Yep. And then there, sometimes there's orange, which would be a quality planning. It's totally configurable again, but quality planning, balloon the print. Right. We always plug and recommend high QA. Yep. Great product for that. It's we're using uh, that. And in our we shop. can import import those into ProShop to do your FAIs and in process. Well, it pulls everything. It, it creates a CSV and right, then that which we CSV bring it just, in. We yeah. just pull it right in. Yeah. And then there's the yellow section, which is for the CNC programmers to work from. So making sure they have their tools, they've done their sequence layouts, they've done their tool verifications, they've checked all their drill and tap depths, make sure they're not going to be punching through the, the backsides, yep. whatever it is that your programmers need to do. And then the green section is the actual shop floor kitting, getting the tools preloaded, hopefully preset, but at least preloaded in their holders, fixtures, everything you said, you talked about before, right? Fixtures, gauges, material packaging, everything you're going to need for that production workflow. Because the idea is you want someone to walk up to a machine and they should be able to completely set up that job and have a first part off without ever leaving the machine. It should all be right there. All right there, 100%. If they're leaving the machine, that setup's going to take longer than it should. Exactly. So anyway, so that's definitely a core tenant to it to make sure that you're able to execute according to your plan, which ties back into accurate estimating. If you don't have an accurate plan, you're never going to be able to forecast well to that. So some Pretty key principles there. Now, sometimes shops ask us about, oh, I want automated scheduling. I want to just have it do algorithms. And some of our competitors say that they do this, but I haven't ever run across a shop that... Enlighten me on this one. I have all these jobs and it should just reorder the schedule and choose all the right machines and make it like do scheduling for you, which is a nice concept. But in reality, there's so many variables that only a human can know. Mm-hmm. that Bob didn't come in today or this machine, even though it's supposed to be identical, this that one machine, COVID, yes, or whatever, you know, even though these two machines are supposed to be identical and compatible on our schedule, yep. we know that this one is a little looser, doesn't cut as tight. So we need to use this other machine for this part. That's a little higher tolerance or the fourth is loaded in that m- the machine today. So we really need to run it over there. There's so many variables that a human really needs to do. So we take a, a different approach where it's like, half automated, half human input to really make some of those choices. Like if you get that last minute job that someone wants to pay you expedite fees to put in, that might be fine. If you're able to then expedite another job, you have to say expedite the anodizing for the job you're already running. Exactly. Exactly. But you're willing to, your customer that wants you to expedite, they might be paying for the expedite for the other job that you need to then get faster because you're going to take their job and insert it before another one. Exactly. Right. And those are variables that only humans can. Yeah, You can't automate everything that a really good manufacturing engineer does. That's just not realistic. Yeah. So maybe if you had one of these like crazy smart factories where everything is totally to the T dialed in, but those are more kind of show off display (laughs) facilities rather than real production facilities. Yeah. Do you think that's part of the future? I mean, job shops are always going to be, you know, low volume, high mix, Mm -hmm. highly variable environments. 
there's always going to be a combination of some automation and some humans okay. making smart choices, mm-hmm. I think. But fully automated scheduling and taking humans completely out of it and having algorithms and robotic guided vehicles moving everything around. Those factories are out there. I don't want to say never. I don't want to say never. There are some pretty crazy shops doing pretty automated yeah. things where everything's no, on pallets and robots. Those people great. probably aren't listening to this episode trying to figure out how to get their, <laughs> their scheduling together right now. So No, we're a little immature in the scheduling module. At car? At car. Yeah. At, I'm not going to lie. Paul's, you know, educating me right now, but I know that they are using it. I know that we've seen some significant improvements Mm -hmm. overall, but you were telling me about a gentleman by the name of Dave Mm Hanna. Yep. And he had some really significant improvements in his on-time delivery when he started, you know, doing all this. Sure, sure. Is he available? I'd love to hear his story. I think he sure is. Let's uh, see if we can get him on the phone. Awesome. Right, it's always best when we have real customers, real users well, explaining yeah, and, it. And, you know, my ears are wide open. I'm willing to hear from anybody to, if they can help me better utilize the tools that are in front of me. And for him, it really is about the impact that it's had on his life and his shop. Because he was at the point where he was, he told me a couple of years ago, you know, he was super frustrated. He was thinking about maybe selling the shop, getting out of it. And after putting Pro Shop in and just having everything just get much more streamlined, He's like, yeah, I'm golfing more, I'm hunting more, I'm taking vacations. Good it's for him. Life's good, good life's, for him. Life's good and easy. So, yeah. But the scheduling was a huge part for it him. Is. You know, it is. It's a big deal. No, it's a big deal. Yeah. Let me get him it's on the phone. It's a little intimidating. Yeah. Let me get him on the phone. Hold sure. on a second. Hey, Dave. This is Paul Van Meter. How you doing? Good. How are you? I am good. Hey, I am recording a podcast and I'm here with the Making Chips guys and we are talking about scheduling. And I remember from the video you made with us that... Scheduling used to be a pretty tough thing at G0, and it's gotten a lot better, and it's made your life a lot easier. So I'm hoping you can share just a little bit of... Hey, Dave. Jim Carr here. Yeah. Hey, Dave. Jason Zanger. We got Nick here, too. What's up, Dave? Doing good. How are you guys? Good. Good. We're having fun here. Yeah. And you guys are, I think, maybe a little bit more production than Jim is, but still very much a job shop. Can you just elaborate on what kind of a pain in your life scheduling (laughs) was? Uh, Pain in the life. I'll use that term instead. Yes. And sort of what it looks like today and the things that really made the difference? Sure, sure. I mean, we really struggled with um, a lot of, we have a lot of one-offs that we do uh, and then also some production too. But the schedule that we used to run with the previous software that we had was just too cumbersome and not accurate enough, wouldn't let us add in things and made us just have these issues where Things would sneak up on us and we were always late. I mean, we were in somewhere in the 50% on time range, which was (laughs) terrible and always having to explain to a customer what was going on and and things that caught up on us. And then once I saw Pro Shop out at uh, one of the shows, I was really surprised at what it offered. And so we ended up signing up, as you know, and that was one of my main things I needed was something that was a schedule that would work. And it just fulfilled our wildest dreams and made our lives so much simpler and made our customers a lot happier because we were able to identify things so much sooner that were going to be an issue and we were able to communicate with them to see if there was a little more time to push it out a day or two or if it was a must. And then the schedule offers us the ability to just see what happens if I move it to another machine, see what happens if I add six hours of overtime on this or four hours of overtime, whatever. Is that going to get me out of my situation? It was mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Hey, Dave, this is Jim. I just have a quick question. So how long did it take you from when you were first introduced to the scheduling module to you felt like you were really starting to get some headwind on it? What was that time? I'm cu- really curious. Sure, sure. The initial training and everything, probably a month or so okay. of them to really That's fast. get the gist of how things moved around. And then after three or four months, he's, you know, my guy's just a whiz now. And Oh, that was my next question. Did you identify one person in your shop to just do the scheduling or did you just say, take to one, one of your machinists that knew pro shop fairly well and just task him with that responsibility? Correct. Yep. He's in charge of the schedule and, uh, you know, notifying customers if there's an issue and bringing it up with them if something's going on or communicating with my uh, guy who does our sales and marketing stuff to say, hey, we're pretty slammed for this month or that month. So be careful what you offer. Yep. Beautiful. So David, you said a couple things. You said things kept coming up and like wreaking havoc on your schedule. And one of the principles that I've been talking about, which I mean, ProShop can help with, but it's really a key concept that I think shop owners need to get into their heads is that they need to be a lot more proactive in their planning processes rather than reactive. Yep. And when you do that, it's sort of like a magic wand. It just helps so many things go so much smoother and you have a lot less of those fires. It was, I think the PP check that is in there is what really has saved us. We've modified it to have all the right questions for our shop now, which was nice that it could be tailored to that. And hopefully your audience knows what the PP check is. Yeah. Yeah. Jim mentioned it and I described a little bit of what it's about. So, yeah. Oh, great. Great. Good. Yeah. It's great. So we're able to sit down when we get that job, look at it. We ask ourselves questions, any special tooling. So now we're not expediting tools in that, you know, maybe need to get a custom cutter. A lot of that stuff is what has helped us with our on-time delivery is following that PP check. And just even to the breakdown side, at the end, the guys remove all the non-standard tooling and they have to check it. So So they check it off, they've Yep. So the next person starts with a clean machine. That was one of Jim's first tips is make sure you're starting with a clean machine. Yeah. Your whole attitude changes completely if you start with a clean machine. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not, you know, you don't have a 1032 tap stuck in the machine that somebody didn't pull out and you're searching (laughs) for one and you have to go run down and grab one. Right. It's crazy. It's how could a shop not have a 1032 tap laying around? So yes. Yes. Well, awesome, Dave. Hey, I really appreciate you jumping on the call with us. It's been fun to watch your journey. So, yeah. uh, best yeah. of luck to you, Dave. Yeah, I think appreciate he's coming to IMTS, so he'll Thanks. come say hi to you. We'll be there. All right. Take care, Dave. Appreciate it, buddy. Take care. Bye. Hey, Jason. You know, I'm super excited about IMTS 2022 here in Chicago. There's so much new technology out there to see. And speaking of new technology, We need to let the metalworking nation know that we will be showing up to visit our friends at the Amper Technology Booth. Amper provides machine monitoring and data collection and is in the East Building at Booth 135685. All three of us will be there to do some fun giveaways. Amper will be giving out swag bags of cool merch to everyone that takes a picture with us at their booth and posts to their social account. Listen for that Making Chips theme song. It'll be bumping. Hopefully Jason won't be dancing, but you'll know we're near. So write this down. Amper, East Building, Monday and Wednesday, 
IMTS at 3 p.m. Bam. That's great. That's got to make you feel really good, Paul, to hear success stories like that. It's so dynamic, the ERP, that you know it's hard for me to even grasp it fully that we can really schedule our shop that granularly. Mm-hmm. And imagine trying to take these leaps because many of these things are possible without an ERP that packages them all together. Mm-hmm. But imagine trying to do it outside of a system like ProShop. <laughs> it's post-it notes, it's spreadsheets, it's a million little systems. It's, it's a lot of tribal whiteboards. Whiteboards, yeah. yep, yep. It was writing on the prints. Yeah, that's what they did. And just a lot of reactivity. Yeah, mm-hmm. so exactly. That's the key message is get more proactive, especially in planning, manufacturing planning and quality planning. Sounds great. Yeah, it's changed a lot since my dad was on the shop floor when he used to tell me, Jim, if you're not making chips, you're not making money. Bam, bam. Thanks for listening to the Making Chips podcast. Jim and Jason knew that the metalworking nation, the community of world-class makers, needed to commit to a new way of leading to stay ahead of the competition. So, Making Chips was created to fill that void, to give you advice from other manufacturing leaders who can push you to take action. Your manufacturing challenges have a solution. And many of them are at makingchips.com. Oh, 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 oh,